As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hoach. 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 Put it in the CHGO. It's Adam Ho, and from the Athletic, it's Adam Johns. It's one of the craziest games that I've covered live. But that crazy. For me. I feel like uh, how many times a season do we say that? Yeah, but this one, like, I know. In the red zone. I'm, I'm not disputing what you're zone. saying. I'm just like, how does this franchise keep doing that? Anyway, uh, who cares? Here they are, the Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns back with you. And everybody's in full Justin Fields injury panic. Or maybe not. I feel like fans are also just like, okay, we've seen enough of this year. Let's go with the next year. There is that. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm okay with that. I'd like to see a little bit more. Or put it this way. I don't want to see Trevor Simeon. With all due respect to Northwestern and Trevor Simeon. I like to see a little bit more of Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields would like to see a little bit more of Justin Fields. Yeah. Well, I agree, too, because I feel like he was really starting to turn a corner, honestly, in the passing game. And the signs were there. And then they just ran him into the ground when he wasn't healthy. Oh, let's talk about that. Well, that's what. how many times we talk about it. When you're not 100%, you're more prone to injury. If Justin True. Fields' legs were 100%, he would have easily beat that guy out of bounds. He never even would have been hit. He never would have been on the ground. But clearly he was cramping. Clearly he was tired. He made a cry for help in his press conference last week. I'm tired. My legs are tired. Heavy. Yeah. Heavy was the word. Okay. His legs are heavy, which means they're harder to move, which means he's not as fast as he usually is. And then, uh, and then, oh, by the way, uh, he was really, really good in the fourth quarter throwing the ball. So they ran him. Yeah. Okay. What are you going to do? Okay. Every play call can't be great. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. You could read us at uh, Johns. He's on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. 
where this podcast is hosted. And uh, you can find me at allchgo.com. I have a column that is unlocked for everyone to read on uh, yesterday's happenings with Justin Fields and the fallout from the injury. Um, so go check that out. And uh, what else? Merch is up, obviousshirts.com. Everything you buy in the month of November, and November is flying by here quickly. Um, so everything you buy in November, a portion of the proceeds go to 22Q Family. So thank you to everyone who has contributed there. Uh, check out the 22Q Family Foundation. If you just like to make a donation directly too, that works as well. Uh, we'll have voicemails for you today from Sunday's loss to the Falcons. We will also have a uh, conversation that John Z had with Mike Jones, the uh, athletic, one of the national writers for the athletic, who's got uh, some stuff coming on the second year quarterbacks. And uh, John Z had a nice conversation with him. So we'll bring that to you here in a little bit as well. But yeah, let's talk about this, um, this field stuff. Where do you want to start, John? I feel like we haven't heard. Uh, your My thoughts. thoughts on it. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm guessing. Well, are you buying what Matt Eberflus is selling about his his sideline process? That Justin Fields, in their opinion, or even Justin Fields' opinion, was was good to go for everything in that final possession. And are you buying what he's selling about the? Oh, well, I'm buying this. It does look like there was a mistake. It definitely, there definitely was a mistake on that draw play. That that was a draw for David Montgomery. Watch it again. You could you could tell yeah. that Fields is looking to hand that off. So, but well, in terms well, of the, no, I, I Montgomery is looking to get the ball. Oh, you and think it's Fields? And yes, yes go watch yes. it. Yeah, Montgomery, okay. yeah. Montgomery. It's like you know, it's, it's like a draw. This, yeah. You pause for a second, so it's just kind of a slow developing, and then Montgomery puts his arms out like this for the ball. And Fields never delivers it. Yeah, and then Fields just like I don't know what he was doing. If he's worried about his shoulder, he's you almost wonder like all right quickly before, like you you almost wonder if he obviously there was a miscommunication in the play call, whether or not the pain that he was feeling impacted his ability to get that play call incorrectly. Get what I'm saying? Like where yeah. you're just like oh crap, like what was that? Okay, got part of the job, not the complete play call of the draw. But anyway, are you buying what he's selling about the Bears feeling good about Justin Fields for, for everything in that final drive? In terms of them feeling good about him being able to execute it? Run. Yes, to run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm not. I mean, at a minimum, they missed the mark and they didn't have their evaluation correct about he's saying where it was he flawed. It, at a minimum. Um, Case yeah, of I, no, I'm not buying too much. Yeah, I think there's part of that. I mean, we had this. This is now honestly, we've had three players now in the last two weeks where this has been a conversation. You know, Jalen Johnson last week, um, Tevin Jenkins pregame, but on which, the opposite side of the conversation, right? Where they're, you know, maybe Jenkins is the only one being fully honest about how he's truly feeling, um, which is part of the problem, like. This goes back to what I talked about last week, Johns, which is if you're going to really truly leave it up to, and I asked Matt this question on Friday, um, and I didn't, and I kind of thought he danced around the answer, but the reality is, you know, the trainer gives you a black and white, cleared or not cleared. That's pretty much what it is. Um, sometimes they'll be like, well, I think he can do this. I think he can do that, but like he should be but, good to go. But isn't that influenced by, we're, I mean, we're not talking about a pulled hamstring here, by the way. We're, we're talking about, Cramping, which hurts, 
it affects you. Um, a lot of the information they get is from the player. I'm not blaming Fields. I think his toughness has come to embody the Chicago Bears anyway. If, if anything, I think where I'm going with this conversation is I want to give the Atlanta Falcons a little bit more credit for having a good game plan to defend Justin Fields. Well, they did have a good game plan, I, and, and, and that's where I think I'm coming from in what I wrote yesterday is you just got to take the whole the whole picture. And the whole picture to me starts with Fields admitting last week that his legs are heavy. So it shouldn't really come as a, a, a shock, cramps or no cramps, that after he ran relatively heavily in the first half still, that his legs are tired, heavy, run out of gas, whatever you want to put it, in the second half. I don't think that's a shock to anyone. It shouldn't have been a shock to those coaches on the sideline, right? Um, you have also the fact that, to your point, the Falcons defended him well, especially in the second half. He only had seven yards, I believe, in the second half running the ball. And a few of those were picked up on that last scramble. So it, the running game was, quite frankly, a non-factor in the second half. And... He was really good throwing the ball on the drive before when they tied the game. Multiple third down conversions. Still using his legs enough to scramble. Yes. Well, that's what I... I was wondering whether or not... Now, he wasn't running the ball and getting yards, but... I mean, that scramble. That equanimous St. Brown pass. That's in, the, that's in the second half, is it not? That's in the fourth quarter, is it not? Yes. Yes, ran, that's third and 12 on the previous drive. He picked up 14. It set up, helps set up the touch now. And what's the next-gen stats on that? He ran 33 yards to make that completion, broke three tackles by my count. I'm coming off as, as if I'm defending the Bears here, but like that would be a recent example of him being, oh, he, like, he did look okay. He did. He just made that amazing play where he broke three tackles going left from right, kept his eyes down the field and hit Equinemia St. Brown. No? Not buying it? Well, I am buying it in the sense that this goes back to the scrambling versus design runs, right? If, you're court, if you put the quarterback out there to throw the ball, he's got to be able to scramble. And some can do it better than others. Fields can. So, that's part of the equation. And so that's where I'm coming from where it shouldn't always be black and white. Yeah, he's cleared. He's good to go 100%. That's not always realistic. Sometimes you're 70%. Sometimes you're 60%. Okay? So if you're taking in that information on the sideline, okay, we think he's good enough to be out there to throw the ball and scramble if he needs to. But, hey, maybe it's a good idea for us to not run him on design runs here because – He's probably not going to be as effective. And even if he is, he might not be able to protect himself in the same way. Does that make sense? We had it under control, the cramps. We know he's dealt with that before because obviously he puts a lot of energy during the game. I think we're missing a word there. And we're going to call our plays that we think are best there. So that's what we did, and we went with it. That is Matt Eberflus Monday breaking down that very question, whether or not Justin Fields is feeling okay. Did you also get the sense that when Flus was asked about f protecting Fields, 
and being smart running the ball. He seemed to put a lot of that on fields. I also sense that he's fed up with the officials. Oh, well, that should, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 100%. He should be. Yeah, he did go on a little mini rant about how they have to protect the quarterbacks more. Yes. But, hey, if he's been sending one to two clips in every single week and they're having one lot. to two, that's it's a, a lot. lot. It's a lot. And, um, the f- I can remember too vividly from the Atlanta game that weren't penalties. So don't you think the NFL officiating office's response right now is just, eh? Yeah. Because they're not calling it any differently. <laughs> yeah. Al Riveron calls for no good reason. They, they he- have these discussions. <laughs> like, hey, uh, you know, this has been an issue in the last few weeks. You know, not getting the calls. You know, let's watch for this. And they're, I, and they're I, just they're just like, nah, we're good. We don't need to. We don't need to call. I, I think if there's any source of frustration with maybe maybe fields in this, I'm just spitballing here. Is that that I do think there's some cases where some throws with anticipation would eliminate a run or two, a scramble or two, a hit or two after that, because that's where he has to improve. JT O'Sullivan on our podcast last week at this time. Spell it out. Great for us. Some of those throws are there, even with so-so protection for him to make. And they're turning into scrambles. They're turning into hits. They're turning into sacks. All the above. So maybe that's where some of the frustration lies, to, to, to your point. But I was more left taken by the, the frustration with the league. Like Justin Fields was down on a knee. And got nailed. Justin Fields was already sliding and got nailed in the head in the like the most important sequence of the game. Right? Already feeling hurt. Hello, Just, everyone. This is Al Riveron. It's a problem. Now, I thought earlier in the season he was getting a few calls, but that's gone now. He's not anymore for some reason. And the Bears have every reason to be baffled by it. And pissed off by it. Yeah, I and I don't I don't get it. It seems like if you're a non-running quarterback, you get the calls. Or they call it they call it if you're in the pocket still. I mean the contrast between what Kyler Gordon did, as he's literally falling down, by the way. Like Kyler Gordon tripped as he was blitzing. Like he fell over his own feet and sort of like accidentally barely rolled into Mariota's leg. And that rule, by the way, is written with forcible contact. And it's not too hard to argue that that was not forcible contact. It's, a, it's, it was, hand, it's like he tried to tie his shoe. <laughs> yeah. Someone said that he just was trying to give him a foot massage. Um, Th- that's the most frustrating thing about all of that, right? Is there's yeah. no consistency at all. Like I, I got in the moment that it looked bad, it did. It's a fast game. In the moment that it looked bad, you had a you had a you had a defender at the knees of the quarterback. But in, in reality, it wasn't bad. You know what also looked bad in the moment? Grady Jarrett hit <laughs> Justin Fields in the head, you know, with his shoulder and his own helmet. That's bad in the moment too. That looked late. Yeah. Anyway, um, I get the criticism. About the play call, uh, I do want to see Justin Fields throw more in those situations. Just overall for his growth, like let him do it with his arm. I, I get that. Like this is almost the balance between like trying to to win now and develop. Like 
let's let's try winning while developing. I, I get that the run game is working right now, but maybe it's reading the situation. Maybe it's understanding what the Dol- the Dolphins, what the the Falcons are doing. But I would have liked to seen Justin Fields throw more there, just for the overall experience of throwing more there with two minutes left in the game, so he could do it. So he could try to do it. And and, and John's that that's honestly where I'm coming from more than anything. When I once I went back, because I'll be honest, like sometimes when you're watching the game live, you don't, you kind of miss the new. I don't know some of the nuances a little bit, but like I knew he had a really good drive before that. It was obvious to anybody watching the game, but when I went back and watched it and was able to watch the replays over and over again, it was like no, he was really playing quarterback at a high level. He was going through his reads. He was making a pre-snap read to Cole Komet, knew exactly where to throw it. Then he used his scrambling ability to get that ball to EQ on the next third down. The throw to Montgomery down the sideline was actual quarterbacking, where he's directing traffic and making sure he gets, you know, that that was so impressive. So for all these critics out there that are saying he can't throw, he doesn't do it in the fourth quarter. He can't make the big plays in the fourth quarter with his arm. He did it. Yeah. He literally did it on the last drive to tie the game. So now, because the defense can't get a stop ever, you're losing. You got two minutes left, 147 to be exact. Why don't you build on the last drive? Yeah, He just did it. Let him do it again. Instead, sprint out to the left. Like, come on. He was three for three for 51 yards. The long of 32, which was a pinpoint brilliant pass on the run down the right sideline to David Montgomery before throwing that interception on his last play of the game. That was in the fourth quarter, sorry. Those were his fourth quarter stats, three for three. Um, I actually still want to give like the defense like a, a little bit more credit because I know they didn't get the stop there, but the Bears offense still outscored the Falcons. <laughs> Offense, it, that that special teams touchdown by the greatest kickoff returner. Kickoff returner. I didn't say returner. Kickoff returner. And Cordell Patterson changed the game, in my opinion. But, yes, we saw him do some things a bit off script in that fourth quarter, but yet so special. Like, stuff you can't teach. Yes, you want to see him throw with more anticipation, but the special throws are already there. Like, the, the off script, off schedule can't teach. Not everybody can do it. Plays are there for Justin Fields in the passing game. All right, before we get to Mike, so how would you handle this here going forward? And there's obviously some conflicting information on what the hell the injury actually is. I would rest him a week, two weeks. You what? You get the Packers after this. Maybe you bring him back for the Packers game. You get the bye week after that. Uh, I think it's a case. I said this after the game where you have to protect the player from himself a bit. Yeah. And you have to take the the larger picture into into serious consideration here. This, this isn't like you're what, three and eight? Is that the record right now? Yeah, and this is and so you're not playing for anything other than development at this point. Yes, yes. Give the kid a break. You know what? Your locker room will be okay with that. Some of those players that know they're going to be here next year, they'd be okay with that. His legs clearly need a break. So if you're going to throw him out there, um, again, with heavy legs, 
now a bum shoulder that could inf- that could impact his mechanics. He did. He said. He said it himself. It did. It, I just don't. I don't see any bright side. Right. If you're competing for the NFC North title, sure, gut it out. You know, he's your best player. There's no question about it. He is your offense. I really can't think of one reason. Now, if if we're talking shut shut him down for the season, to me, that's a different... No, I'm I'm, I'm not there yet because I still would like him to get more throws in. It's honestly, I I get like, oh, you know, how much more experience does he need? But he does need it. I just said he needed it because I'd like to see him throw the ball more and try to hit some anticipation throws, some timing throws. I like to see him hit the top of his drop and get the ball out. Sometimes I think the Bears would like to see that. So there is value in him still playing. But if he's hurt, uh, there is that risk of further injury. You have to, again, seriously consider the long-term outlook for your team here, given all the success that he had this year. I, to- I totally agree. And and I tend to think that's what's going to happen. Yes. Here. Yes. I think you, you might have... Say it. What? Are you gonna say it? I was going to say Trevor Simeon versus Joe Flacco in New Jersey. I mean, if I'm the Jets, I play Mike White. Yes. Actually, yes. I mean, it's one thing if you're just trying to fill in for a week for Zach Wilson, but this is a different conversation. Now, Zach Wilson, probably not their guy. Yeah. Yeah. That That's it. He's bad and a pain in the ass. And I think he pissed off a lot of people in that locker room with what he said post game. You almost want to give him an opportunity, like in terms of long term development. That's a unique situation there. The, the Jets are a winning football team with a lot of young players playing great, and you have a young quarterback who is not helping the situation by any means. Do you give him the opportunity to grow, learn, and get over it, or like that? That like that's. Like with all due respect to the to the winning the Jets are doing, you're not winning the Super Bowl this year. I still yeah. think you need to focus on the long term prospects of Zach Wilson. But again, he pissed everybody off in that locker room. I'm guessing he did. Now, now, now we're doing a Jets I'm podcast. Speculating. I'm speculating, but it is, but yes. it is the uh, Bears opponent this week. I'll be honest. Despite that that happened, this is his second overall pick. He used a lot of draft capital. Yes. I look at the matchup this week. You're facing a bad Bears defense and a team that's probably not going to have Justin Fields out there. If there is an opportunity to get Zach Wilson back on track for at least one week to build some of that confidence back, this sure as hell looks like it, doesn't it? Yes. So I think I would I think I'd probably still play him this week. But it might be a last he might have chance the situation. Old- Quick hook if he throws an ugly interception. In the, like sure. Again, I, I think at one point the Jets are just going to go for the win and try to work it out later because this is a win they need to have in terms of the standings. Yeah, they can't afford to lose this game. No. So, All right, you want to set up this uh, conversation you had with Mike Jones? Yeah, um, he's got a big story coming out on Wednesday uh, that comes up. Um, well, let's just get into it. I, I think Mike Jones... Brings a lot of nuance and interesting things to the quarterback conversation, whether it's the Bears or the second-year guys in general. All right, let's bring in Mike Jones. You can follow him on Twitter at, at by Mike Jones. Sorry, let's get that right at 
by Mike Jones. He's our new national writer for The Athletic. You may know him previously from USA Today, and you were at the Washington Post. Long career covering the Commanders. What's going on, Mike? Hey, how are you doing, Adam? Very good, very good. First question for you. How often is that Mike McDaniel clip brought up to you? <laughs> Between Since that then. and the Lamar Jackson, it's quite a bit. Um, but, like... The thing is, is like it's been going on since nineteen like ninety seven or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, I was covering high school sports in my hometown in Warrington, Virginia, and I walked into the school one day and everybody started yelling Mike Jones, and so I was like, "Wait, you guys <laughs> know me?" Yeah, you know. Um, and then I found out. So yeah, it's it's every locker room. It's every time I meet somebody. Um, so those guys doing it, like Mike McDaniel, every time he's seen me since two thousand twelve when I covered him. Um, when he was uh, with Washington. I forgot like, about that, yes. He always does that. So when he did it in the press conference, I wasn't at all surprised because like the last time I was in San Francisco before that, like he was like yelling at me across the practice field. Oh, oh. So that's that's just Mike McDaniel for you. We've joked that we have to get him on this podcast because we are big fans of, of his, just the, the personality yeah. that, that he shows, right? Like there, there's a lot there. He doesn't mind being himself, even like taking over as head coach. He's just himself. No, he's very comfortable being himself. And it's funny because when Mike Shanahan hired all those guys, it was like, oh, Kyle's bringing his drinking buddies. And I remember seeing Mike McDaniel and he just seemed so awkward and out of place. And we were like, who is this guy? I mean, like Matt LaFleur, was very like detailed and like, you know, he was Kyle's right hand man working with the quarterbacks. Sean McVay was high energy and McDaniel, like he kind of like seemed like a stoner and you're just like, what does this guy really even know about anything? Um, and then it was at the senior bowl one year and they coached, I think it was 2011, maybe that was 2012. So 2010 was when I first started coming 2012. And he was hanging out there and talked to him in Veets. That's uh little hole in the wall bar down there. Yeah, well, I know it like, well. Yeah, you know it. You know it. Anybody who's covered that thing knows <laughs> that place well. It's packed like, you know, sardines. And I remember talking to him. I was like, this guy's weird, but he's actually really smart. Um, and as a joke, one of my buddies who covered them uh, was like, dude, watch in like six years. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be an NFL head coach. And we laughed. And we're like, yeah, no way. Um, and I was out in San Francisco this past year for training camp. And Kyle was even like, Dude, can you believe Mike McDaniel is a head coach now? And he's known him since they were together, you know, and growing up in Denver and then in Houston. And, and he's followed him everywhere. And even he's shocked that he's a head coach. So yeah. it's pretty funny just to see where he's grown and that he has not changed. It's great. It's refreshing. And you like to see him do well. I fully support the decision to hire a head coach that is under six foot tall. Wears glasses just like I do. That's why we want him on the podcast. We all wear glasses here sometimes. He's got the big, the big forehead just like the rest of us. Um, you got to work on your hair game, though. You don't have ah, quite enough products in there. I <laughs> it's too early here in Chicago, and we just got a haircut yesterday. Not, not a lot to work with there. My, yeah. my partner, uh, Adam Hogue, though, wears plenty. Um, but we're not here to talk about Mike McDaniel. Um, Justin Fields is the story here in Chicago. And I want to ask you, uh, Mike, about something you wrote. A couple weeks ago, this was after the the Lions' uh, loss for the Bears. Felt like a win a little bit here in Chicago, but uh, uh, a loss for the Bears. As the Bears' coaching staff continues to embrace his strengths, Fields is looking like the best quarterback from the 2021 draft. I know, I know, it's still early, but still. What do you like about Justin Fields' game right now? 
Um, I like that he's starting to look comfortable. Um, and now that he's comfortable, you've seen him be more aggressive, um, whether it's running the football or, you know, and now we're starting to see him start to use his legs to extend plays and make some throws. Um, the way that they're designing plays and because the defense is so worried about him running, uh, they're getting, you know, more openings in the past game. And again, he's got a lot to, to work on still. But um, as far as a playmaking standpoint, there's nobody in that draft class who is making the kind of plays that he has. Um, yes, I know there are a lot with his legs, but I think it's going to come. You can tell after, you know, it was he was misused, um, you know, before. And look, lean into what he does well. Help him get comfortable. I remember I, I go back to 2012 when Washington had RG3. They really overhauled their offense. They installed a lot of the RPOs. And then as the season went on, by the midway point, they really were opening up the passing game more. But it was about getting him comfortable um, so he feels and remember what it yeah. feels like to be that guy like he was in college. And you're able to play faster that way. So it's very smart that they're using his legs, um, you know, using him in that way. So that way he starts to feel confident. He feels uh, like assured of himself and starts to see the way the defense reacts and knows how to attack that way. So, um, you know, he's got a big arm. Uh, again, has to work on some things. Uh, but the, the way he runs... Um, I was talking to uh, a number of people for stories. Steve Mariucci said uh, he reminds him a lot of Cam Newton with the way that he's powerful. I know they're built a little bit different, but uh, he's not an Art Lamar Jackson type of runner. Um, I've heard maybe some people say, you know, like Michael Vick, but um, he's kind of got his own style. But uh, he is just he's a playmaker right now um, and um, really dangerous. And you like to see the progress and the growth. Yeah, the Bears want him to work on throwing a little more anticipation, maybe some some trust throws, you know, trusting that his, his guys will be there before they actually get open. But you, you're right. He's making he's making plays you, you can't teach almost through experience. It's it's that 33-yard scramble. I'm not talking about, like, running down the field where he runs left to right, eludes three tacklers, and finds his receiver, Equinemius St. Brown, for a, a first down. Like, plays like that are just almost unteachable. He seems to have... The special qualities already. It's more or less getting gaining the experience that's needed, right? Right, right. He's got um, the 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 go off script type yes. of you know play uh, to be able to freelance and things like that. But um, you know, as I was doing the story reporting, talking to Kurt Warner and Chris Sims and Mariucci, and every single one of them pointed to look their throws that he's leaving out there because yeah. you know he wants to see them very open where dude you got to fit in a window sometimes you got to throw your receiver open sometimes you know what spot he's got to be in put the ball in that spot so he can run to that spot um so that's what he's got to 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 work on once he becomes comfortable with that throws like you said with that anticipation then that really opens things up right now it's like you know i know we get on young quarterbacks when they throw a lot of interceptions. It's not going to be perfect, though. The window opens and closes very quickly. He kind of like it seems like he wants that window to be really open before he pulls the trigger um, rather than kind of like saying, OK, he's going to be there in a split second. I'm going to throw it right here. I'm not throwing it right to the receiver. Right, I'm yeah. throwing it to a spot that only he can get to it. Let's talk about yeah, your story. It's going to be out on The Athletic on Wednesday. Today is Tuesday. Uh, so if you're listening or watching on YouTube, be sure to check that out. You talk to Chris Sims, Kurt Warner, Steve Mariucci. Can, can I ask you about Chris Sims a little bit? Because I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, he had him as like a sixth or seventh best quarterback in, a, in his rankings coming out in 2021. Yeah, he was he wasn't as high on him um, coming out of the draft as some people were. Um, but now he calls him the most incredible thing in football. 
um, you know, the most dangerous guy with the ball in his hands, the best running quarterback in the league. And he said, you know me, I'm a Lamar Jackson fan, but this guy is a better runner than Lamar Jackson. Um, so um, he feels like, hey, he's a playmaker. All the things in the passing game are going to come. We're starting to see it. Uh, so he's very high on him. Um, and even though it's very clear he's not a finished product, but he feels like, hey, this guy's got big playability. They're using him the right way now. Instead of, you know, the first, you know, stretch of the season, it was like they were trying to use him, you know, as, as Green Bay used Aaron Rodgers. Because, you know, Getsy came from Green Bay. Uh, but now they're letting him play like himself. And because of that, um, you're seeing it pay off. And that's what Chris Sims was very high on now, um, just that playmaking ability and and seeing the confidence in him. I think he had Kellen Mond rated higher. At least in the, in the conversation back then, things change. I, I I know, but I remember being struck by, by by that and things did not unfold great for him in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, it was you know it was different. Um, and I think you know he had was Mac Jones like one of his favorite guys. He was very high on Mac Jones. Um, you know, and um, I know that he felt like you know there was you know athleticism from Justin Fields, but didn't see him you know quite as glowingly as he does now. But he was definitely very high on him now, and you know. Things change. Yeah, you realize, oh, hey, maybe you know I was wrong about this here. Uh, but either way, he's he's high on him now. A couple record-setting running performances yeah. where, where he looks absolutely electric. We'll, we'll do that um, quickly. I, I don't want to give away the full story, so make sure if you're listening again right now, check it out on theathletic.com on Wednesday. But I'm curious more about Kurt Warner, who you know broke in late with the Rams, uh, Super Bowl MVP, Hall of Famer. Uh, not exactly the same quarterback as Justin Fields, um, right. different systems w- with the Rams. What did he have to say about Justin Fields? Yeah, totally different skill sets. But um, And he knows that you cannot – a quarterback's not a finished product in year one or year two. You know, it took him a while. You know, yeah. um, he was a backup for a while. He went to NFL Europe, came back over here, um, and then finally was in the right system and really was able to blossom. His biggest thing, he said, look, he's making incredible plays but he's making them with his legs. There's so much to being a quarterback and I'm not seeing that right now. Really. He wants to see that consistency with the decision-making with anticipation, just like we were talking about. Those are the things he really harped on is that, you know, it's okay. It's great to be an incredible talent. It's great to be an incredible athlete, but you're a quarterback and you've got to make plays with your arm um, before we really say that you're, you know, one of the best out there. And so for him, he just wants to see that growth. Yeah, it's great, the runs, um, but he sees a lot of throws that he's leaving out there um, that could be helping his offense. What, what do they have to say, I guess, about Fields in terms of the, the other guys in the draft? Of course, Zach Wilson is everybody's favorite story right now after what he said after that loss. It just <laughs> He said one word, and you know the New York media just, just runs with it. So yeah. like, how, how does he fit? What, what are they saying in relation to the other guys of that draft? Um. It, Warner said he's probably got the furthest to go as far as a passer um, of those guys, but playmaking ability, obviously he's the most impactful right now. Um, you know, Chris Sims, like I said, he's called him the most incredible playmaker in football, one of the most dangerous guys. You put him up there with Tyree Kill um, as far as being, you know, one of the most dangerous guys with the ball in his hands. Um, Steve Mariucci felt like, hey, he's doing some amazing things. Um, and it's just a matter of giving him more playing time. He feels like he's got the right coaching staff. He's got the right system. It's just a matter of time. The more he's in these situations and, um, you know, third and long and, and fourth down and 
you know, two minute um, situations, late game opportunities that he's going to make some mistakes, but you only get better. You only, you know, learn those things uh, by being in those situations. And he felt like, hey, he is an opportunity um, to really ascend and be one of the best young quarterbacks in the league right now. Generally speaking, like, how, how do you feel about like the coverage of, of young quarterbacks? Like, whether it's on TV or like, you know, like on, on Twitter, we're, we're, forget Zach Wilson for a second. Like, a, a bad play is, is blown up and everybody overreacts, or, or one sound, sound bite from, I, I don't know, Dan Orlovsky or someone just go, goes crazy. I'm just curious, like, in today's media world, how do you think young quarterbacks are, are handled? Um, I, I think that we overreact. I think we forget that, okay, look, it takes time. Um, even it was, you know, the, the week, um, Justin Field, I mean, uh, Zach Wilson missed the first three games of the season. They won two games. I think it was, they lost to new England and look, he threw, I think, was it three interceptions, two touchdown passes. Uh, but people were just like ready to just, you know, freaking crucify him then. And it's like, it's Bill Belichick. He feasts on young quarterbacks. It's what he does. Um, and so the fact that he had a bad game against the Patriots is not surprising to me. Um, I think you have to have context. Now, um, you didn't see him. You would have hoped this game here, he would have made adjustments. I'm not saying they had to beat the Patriots, but you wanted to see him do better um, this time than what he did last time, show that he's progressing, and he didn't do that. Uh, but I do think that we're so quick. If these guys are not um, you know, world beaters right out of the gates, then they're busts. Um, and that's not the case. I mean, when you look also – what do they have surrounding them? What is the coaching staff? What is the offense? I mean, Trevor Lawrence, you know, he does not right now look like a guy um, that you would justify uh, the number one overall pick. But again, it's very early. He's learning a new system all over again. Um, if you have ever heard um, a quarterback read out the play and all the terminology and the mouthful that it is, it takes time. And so I do think that, um, whether it's social media, whether it's, you know, analysis from from reporters, uh, we are very we, we want to see that instant uh, success. You want something to jump off the page to tell you, oh, this guy is a stud. Um, and, you know, it, it takes a little time, um, you know, regardless of what the position is, but definitely the quarterback, because there's so much involved in that position. Yeah, I think sometimes you. Well, I'll put it this way. In Chicago, there's always that question, well, what if the Bears drafted Patrick Mahomes? And right. they would – I don't know if his career unfolds the same way if he's taken over Mitch Trubisky in the situation. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, what was the coaching staff situation then? Um, who did he have around him? Who was his mentor um, if he was in Chicago? What were the weapons? Um, you know, I mean, Andy Reid – is one of the best play callers, best, you know, architects for an offense that's in the game. So Patrick Mahomes fell into an amazing situation there. Say that, you know, um, you know, I, I don't know who's a quarterback that's um, that looks kind of crappy right now. Uh, but when you look at what he's working with, it's not anywhere near um, even like Deshaun Watson. OK, in Houston. I mean, he was great, but they didn't have a lot of success. Um, because what did he have that he was working with and how talented, how much of a visionary was the coaching staff that he was working with there? Um, you know, it's just there's a lot more than just can this guy throw passes. 
um, it, that goes into it. And just because, you know, they passed on Patrick Mahomes, like you said, does not mean that Mahomes would have been a stud there. Maybe he would have been better. Maybe he wouldn't have. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know. You know, it looks like Mitch Trubisky kind of was not the guy to take. Yeah. He's in <laughs> no, Chicago, not the guy. <laughs> not the guy to take now that he's in Pittsburgh. I mean, so, you know, maybe you got that wrong, but I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes would have been amazing um, like the Patrick Mahomes we see right now if the Bears take. Yeah, situations matter. Experiences matter. The help matters. I think we're seeing that play out with Justin Fields right now. All right, Mike, last one for you. Kind of a, a national question. Like, what are your some of your favorite stories? Like, who, who are your favorite teams to – like, who, who are your contenders at this point uh, with – Gosh, it feels so. The season feels so long now with 17 games, but yeah. Thanksgiving's here. Who are your favorite teams? Um, obviously, the the Chiefs. Um, you know, I know some people were wondering if they would take a step backwards. Um, and looks like Mahomes is even better now than what he was. He's doing more with less. Yes, he still has Kelsey, but he's got a lot of young guys. And I felt like late in that game on Sunday, you saw him go to a bunch of guys who we didn't really even know their name. Like who's number 84? Who is the you know 20? You know, it's just. He's got a lot of young guys in there. He's still the same guy. So I think he's fascinating. Um, I'm really curious about Buffalo. Um, Josh Allen, yes, an amazing talent. Uh, but we're seeing him press. And, you know, it's like he's trying so hard to be great. Maybe he's trying too hard. Um, what happens the next time that they face uh, the Chiefs? I really hope that we see them in the AFC yeah. Championship game against each other. That would be my Super Bowl just about. Um, NFC, man, I don't even know. Because I finally was like, I'd been holding off on the Vikings and had questions about them. And finally, I was like, you know what? They're legit. They just beat Buffalo. And then they go out there and wet the bed against the Cowboys. And I'm like, this is what I get for believing in you, Kirk Cousins. Um, so the Vikings, I think, are good. But I think that they're a team that could win any Sunday or lose any Sunday. Um, the Eagles are a good team. They're legit. Um, but because when you look at their defense, you look at what they have on offense. So, you know, I think they're good. But I mean, the Cowboys Bucks come on for a stretch, yeah. you know, the Cowboys, if they run the ball um, and then build off of that, then the Cowboys would be OK. If they try to have Dak Prescott drop back 50 times a game and abandon the run, then I think that, you know, they struggle. So the recipe for them is great defense, strong run game and the pass game, you know, in that order. Um, so, uh, you know, the 49ers, I think, are going to be there at the end. Um they're you fun know, to watch now. They're fun, really yeah. Fun to watch. They've got a lot to work with. Um, so, you know, we'll see. It's wide open, the NFC. It could change from week to week. But I think the AFC is pretty clear. It's Kansas City um, and, and and Buffalo right behind there and everybody else. I really like the 49ers right now and everything they're doing. Just too many weapons and their, their defense is, is, is good as well. Um, Mike, thank you so much. Um, if you're watching reading or what have you right now um be sure to read your piece tomorrow on the athletic on the second year quarterbacks mike thank you so much all right man thanks for having me cool. awesome thank you mike all right. sorry if thanks i kept you a little bit longer there but that, that was awesome oh, stuff thank you no problem have a great one oh and here's the other guy with the, with the hair product there's your hair product there you go <laughs> mike mcdaniel would be proud yes <laughs> Hey, I understand. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Mike. I'll be seeing you.
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Adam, what struck me most during that conversation with 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 Mike, it's, it's not so much that like Chris Sims has completely changed his his, his outlook. Like, like he's, he no longer has Kellen Mond ranked higher than Justin Fields. Like, that's no longer the case for Chris Sims, like everybody else in the league. But it's interesting to hear what Kurt Warner has to say because I think it coincides with JT O'Sullivan said on this podcast, and this time it's coming from Kurt Warner. You like to see some anticipation throws. I think we've been very consistent with this. You and I have. Uh, you like to see him play within the pocket, but there are some things you just can't teach that Justin Fields does extremely well. It's that St. Brown completion. It's that Montgomery completion all in the fourth quarter. He can do some great things for your team, but yes, experiences will help him develop. That's what I'm getting at. Like, you want throws with anticipation. You want him to trust the pocket. He's got to play more. He's got to see it more. I know we're here at Thanksgiving, but sometimes this is often the case for for young quarterbacks, and this is his first year in Luke Getze's offense. So there are some things he still has to get used to. Yeah, the the I think I think one of the most encouraging things I th- I think the floor has risen, if that makes sense. Like I I, I think the floor has risen considerably. For Justin Fields, I think the question is just still, you know, where does that ceiling land? And I think everybody can see that the ceiling could be really, really high. But he absolutely has to grow still as a passer. And that's, again, I'm I'm sitting here every week telling you and showing you plays where he's doing it. It's just got to be more consistent. And, of course, the full context matters. And I don't think right now he's giving... being being given the best help to do all that. And that's why I was so encouraged by what he did in the fourth quarter against the Falcons on that last touchdown drive because he wasn't getting a lot of help. Like Michael Schofield wasn't playing well. That offensive line wasn't playing well. There wasn't much separation. Chase Claypool couldn't get lined up properly half the game. Wasn't getting open when he was lined up properly. There was a couple examples of that. Absolutely. So, and Justin still made some huge throws. 
So I I do agree he obviously needs more reps and opportunities to throw the ball. I am, I will admit, John, starting to get to this point, though, where I'm like... The risk-reward? Yeah, is that coming this season? Because I, I, I think part of why you've seen the Bears run so much with him is because I think there's a limit to how many of those passing plays they can actually even run within a game. Yeah. Where they're not going to get him killed or or hurt his development you, because he doesn't have the, the, the options to really develop, if that makes sense, yeah. because nobody's helping him. Yeah. You can put it this way. Like, you want to see Justin Fields throw with anticipation, but you also can't blame him if his footwork is off because he feels frantic in the pocket because he doesn't know when he's going to get hit. Yeah. The offensive line often had, like, this involves the tight ends too. Like, there's actually five or six in protection, and the Falcons, they would send four more often than not, and they would win. They would win. That's a problem. Like, Justin Fields feels it. Then he sees it afterwards. Yeah, I, I think we've seen examples of what he could do when he has a good pocket. It's just not consistently there enough for him. So, yeah, the the risk reward. I would like to see him get more reps, take a few more risks with his throws. But at what risk does that come with? Actually, the the bodily damage that he could <laughs> potentially face. That, that's the conversation they got to be having at Hallisaw right now. Like, how much do you want him to risk further injury for his own development? Well, and you heard it last week on this podcast when we had JTO Sullivan on. By the way, he has another breakdown if you're one of his QB School Patreon members. 90 minutes this time on the Falcons game. Um, So check that out. But, you know, when he so strongly comes out and says, this season's already a win for you, I'm willing to buy that and be like, all right, yes, there's still more you could squeeze out of this season. For Justin, but if this is it, if this is the end of the season, it absolutely is a win for him. Get him healthy, show up for OTAs in April, do the whole thing again. But this time, he might have a real offensive line. He might have real weapons. He might have, you know, whether it's even a pass rusher you draft for him with the third overall pick, you know, more help on defense, whatever it is a stud left tackle that you draft in the first round, a legitimate wide receiver. I don't know there's going to be one that goes in the top five, but you know, it, it, the whole thing could look a lot different and you just reset that thing going into year three. And based on what we saw this year, like I don't think that sets him back at all. I just think it puts him in a much better position to continue to grow. I agree. By the way, I don't want to see that. I would much rather cover these last six games. Yeah, with, with him, yes. But yes. that's a selfish look at I, it. I, I think, like, and again, like Justin Fields is going to want to play. Say he sits out the next two weeks, three weeks because of the bye week. He's going to want to come back and play. And at that point, he probably will physically be good enough to play. I'm all for that. But, like, <laughs> You hope Tevin Jenkins is back. Like you, you hope things are like Chase Claypool fully knows the playbook at this point. You hope you got better things going on. Yeah. And by the way, I need him to come back for because it probably will cost me a fancy championship if he doesn't. <laughs> so that's that's most important. He did beat my uh, my son in fantasy last week. 
My you did? Son. No, no, Justin Fields. Oh, he, your son was going up against up Justin. against Justin Fields, yes. As you would say, nobody cares. Sorry. Nah, my my son cared, but yes. Well, no. see, no, now you can, <laughs> now you care. I kind of yeah. care. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this: one last thing before we get to our voicemails. Do you think there's any value in beating the Packers next week? <laughs> you know what I'm. Might, you know where I'm going yes, with this is like: yes. do you force um, him? If he's feeling better and theoretically can play, is there any boost at all to finally getting that win over a slumping Packer team? Or does it really not matter? Like, organization, like, I want to say, like, it shouldn't matter as much as it does, but you know what? It it, it does. Like, what did George Hallis say? Like, you know... Just as long as we beat the Packers, like, and, and that type of mindset has been like passed down. And in a season like this, I think a lot of fans would feel this way. Like, if if the Bears finish four and thirteen, thinking my math is right, four and thirteen, one of those wins is over the Packers. They'll take that in the top five pick. Call it a good year. Go Bears! Right? That's right, Aaron. George McCaskey would be dancing up at Hallis Hall if the Bears beat the Packers. Yeah, but with Ryan Poles. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. He, you know. He wants to win. Yeah. I think there's some value in it. I don't think it's necessarily something you absolutely have to have. Yeah. I don't think and you even, need to I don't think you need to risk Justin Fields' future over it. No, no. And, and if you're the Bears and you're talking about like the difference between the fourth and, and like sixth pick, because that's what's gonna be what that's what it's gonna be. You have so many needs. <laughs> like I hate to tell you, there's a world where if you lose that or if you win that game against the Packers, um the Packers could be picking ahead of you. They're only one game back of the Bears right yeah, now. Yeah, but they're a team that may have to address quarterback uh, sooner than than later. That, that's what I mean. The Bears have a quarterback, a young one, entering mm-hmm. his third year. When you have a top five or six pick, your draft strategy is a bit different when you have a young quarterback you believe in. Sure. Boy, that makes the quarterback carousel trade possibilities in the draft very muddy if the Packers are one of those teams trying to trade up too. Yep. Boy, they should have traded Aaron Rodgers a couple years ago. All right. Uh, Let's get your voicemails from Sunday's game against the Atlanta Falcons. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Hogan John's voicemail. The Hogan John's voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Oh, who's that with the fumble recovery? Jack Sanborn, baby. Go Bears! Oh my gosh, Cole Komet running hard, looking like Odell Beckham Jr. with that hell of a catch right there. Holy shit, bear down. I know I called a couple weeks ago and apologized to Cole Komet publicly, but I really need to do it again and probably keep doing it. I talked a lot of shit about him and I was wrong. Oh, you get John D, babe. It's another week. 
it's another spectacle to be put on the Fox 32 channel here in the Chicagoland area. It is a 17-17 game, is what I'm calling in with this. we got five minutes left in the third, and this is a step back, man. This is just brutal. Now, the defense has come to play this week. i got to give them credit. They've, they've been keeping this in the game. But the offense, man, huge step back. Justin Fields, got to speed up that clock. Offensive line, Cody Whitehair, can't be fucking running out to a screen for no reason. We've got to get better. we got to get smarter. Bear down. we got to win this one. Let's go. Abdus stinks. That's it. Another game, another failed two-minute drive at the end of the game. And how many f***ing times does Justin need to be hit for a penalty to be called when he slides? It's unfucking believable This drive should still be happening as I'm calling you right now. Hogan Johns, as always, love the show. This is Brian out in L.A. Let me give you a silver lining to today's game. Aside from obvious draft positioning, right? We'll now go to three and eight. Getsy's play calling on this last drive was so fucking stupid that it actually probably keeps him here as OC for another year instead of taking a head coaching job. Always here to look at the silver lining. Hogue and Johns, I do not know what I'm seeing on my TV right now. We need to move the ball and score points in a two-minute drill. And I see quarterback runs. Who knows? But we got to win these games. This is Mr. Anderson calling from Philly. I hate her watching that game. I mean, I love Jack Sanborn. Tyler Gordon just ain't it. And why would you give up a second-round draft pick for a receiver and not make him a priority in the offense? Top five draft picks next year, bear down. Nope, that's not the ambulance for Justin Fields. That's the red alarm going off because we decided to have two quarterback runs watch him wince in pain on the sideline and then decide that we're not going to take him out of the game and then he throws an interception. That was malpractice. It was either malpractice or intentional tanking. I can't honestly tell the difference at this point. Bear down. Hey, Bears fans, B-Man here. I've been saying it. We've got to get Justin some help. We're going to get him killed. Bear down. That's right, B-Man. Where's Bob? Did I miss Bob? Nah, I was going to say. Can't leave him out. There was we, a knockoff Bob in there, I think. No I, Bob this week? Oh, man. Oh. Do we need to be worried? Oh, no. I'm a little worried. Yeah, very worried. There was you, a knockoff Bob in there, though. <laughs> yeah, but... Oh, no. Did the Bears kill Bob? Come on, now. Maybe. Bob, they're so close. Yeah. Hang in maybe, there, buddy. Maybe Bob is, is surgically removing his shoulder to donate to uh, Justin Fields. I could see him doing that. You know, you know, Greg Braggs got physically ill on the postgame show when he saw your video <laughs> about oh, with Fields going off on the cart. Getting carted off? He literally got up, went to the bathroom, and threw up. I'm not kidding. That's, a, that's a true story. Really? Yeah, now the truth is he may have been dealing with some vertigo or something and it may have nothing to do with the video, but the timing was perfect where he literally walked off the set. We were very confused and then he, uh, yeah. Field injury-induced vertigo. Mm-hmm. Come on, Bob, hang in there. Anyway, uh, who cares? I care. All right, anything else? No, no. Be sure to check out Mike Jones's piece on Wednesday in the Athletic. Who? Should be a good one. 
I like that he. Uh, Does he, he hate that? He probably no, hates no. That. I I know. So I asked him about that. Yeah, it's my first question. So when you listen back, Adam Hogue. Yeah, check it out. Okay, I will. Okay. That right there was a lesson in how podcasting gets done sometimes. Yes. Uh, a little the, behind the, how, behind how the curtain. How sausage is made. Yeah. Hey, you know, sometimes Stuff you got to do it up. that way. Lives get in the way. Hey, uh, follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Appreciate uh, Did you Mike say Jones. lives get in the way? <laughs> wives do too. I said lives, but wives as well. Um, Going to be careful there. <laughs> I uh, want to tell you about one thing. If you are a CHGO diehard uh, tonight, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, uh, Corey Wooten and I will be doing a virtual happy hour. So you can jump in, just hang out with us. It's going to be very informal, not really like a show or anything. Um, so just a cool thing. If you want to check it out for CHGO diehard members, go to allchgo.com slash diehard. And then you get the newsletter coming out tomorrow too. Um by the way, speaking of newsletter, I'm a big fan of the athletic newsletter that comes out every morning too. It's one of the first things I read. You know, just you can kind of pick and choose what you want to um, read. Yeah, it's got links to stuff. I will say, I I don't think I've ever seen a link to anything you've written or a <laughs> link ever to anything that this podcast has done. So you know, but other than that, I really you'll like see it, it next week. Now, yeah, probably. Uh, I'm just saying. I will say though, I was shocked when I opened the newsletter this morning and saw that Saudi Arabia beat uh, Argentina. I think that game started at like 4 a.m. or something, so it was already over, and it was already in my inbox. I was really impressed by that. No, like I, was the, not, I was not aware. I know you don't care about soccer, but it was like no, the I biggest, do care about soccer. This is the biggest like upset in World soccer. Cup history. Really? That's what they're calling Yes. It? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Crazy. So, anyway. Um, Obviousshirts.com for the merch. Uh, one thing we got to tell you about too your preview episodes coming a day early Thanksgiving holiday we know a lot of people travel on Wednesdays so um, even though we'll probably be recording with having no idea who's playing quarterback for either team we will get that for you tomorrow morning uh, with a Wednesday preview edition doesn't make so much sense to do it on Thanksgiving so um, if you're traveling you've got a couple couple episodes to listen to between this one and uh, the preview episode coming out on Wednesday. So be looking out for that. That's all I got, Johnsy. All right. See ya. Anyway, uh, who cares? <laughs>